before we get to tonight's exciting episode, I am thrilled to announce that Dan Curtis has, in fact, been voted into the Rondo Awards Monster Kid Hall of Fame. We did it, guys. We got Dan into the Hall of Fame where he belongs. At long last, Dan Curtis has entered the Rondo Awards Hall of Fame and Holy moly, uh, I I am also gobsmacked uh, to announce that uh, I, uh, or, well, Penny Dreadful, (laughs) has also been voted into the Rondo Awards Monster Kid Hall of Fame. What? How did that happen? (laughs) Wow. uh, Just unbelievable. Thank you. That was entirely unexpected. Um, Wow. I mean, now I'm glad I stole that hand from King Johnny Romano. I mean, uh, you know, there are always uh, consequences with the hand of Count Petofi, but it was worth it. Thank you to everyone who voted. I am deeply honored by this. So thank you for voting for uh, Dan Curtis and for uh, Penny Dreadful, too. Uh, thank you for voting me into the Hall of Fame. That's just really wild. And in the best podcast category, Terror at Collinwood once again came in second place uh, two years in a row. So that's pretty cool to come to come in second to last year was Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast and this year is Mick Garris's post-mortem uh and Mick Garris congratulations well-deserved Rondo award there for best podcast so thank you to everybody who voted congratulations to all of the winners runners-up nominees honorable mentions etc and thank you to uh, David and Eileen Colton who run the Rondo awards uh just really I am very honored and really excited. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, maybe we can get Dan Curtis's daughters to to accept the Rondo Award. How cool would that be? I don't know if that's going to happen, but wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool at the ceremony if they sent a video or something at least? How cool would that be? Anyway, I don't know if that'll happen, but it would be really cool. Anyway, thank you again, and uh, let's get on with the show. It is a rare time of peace on the Collins estate, but soon... The shadows of the past will reach into the present, bringing with them new mysteries and unseen dangers that will eventually lead to terror at Collinwood. Just a quick reminder that the Dark Shadows Coloring Book is now available for pre-order over at HermesPress.com. They released some preview images. The coloring book is illustrated by the talented Samantha Lomusio, and I mispronounced her name last time. I apologize for that. Samantha Lomusio is the illustrator for this new retro-style Dark Shadows coloring book, which features tons of characters from every Dark Shadows storyline. So... Jump on over to HermesPress.com and pre-order your copy today. There's nowhere to run. There's no place to hide. This podcast is fun, but there are spoilers inside. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. Tis I, Penny Dreadful, a.k.a. Danielle. And I am so excited today. I, I am so excited. I want to do the hoochie coup, the Tara Boomdier. So on with the show. You'll love it, I know. But don't worry, I'm not going to dance for you because nobody wants to see that. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> I am joined by a group of Dark Shadows fandom legends. 
this is uh, like the Justice League or the Avengers here of, of Dark Shadows fandom. Um, you heard them back in episode 15 of Terror at Collinwood. Uh, but as Jeb Hawks might say, I wanted to hear more, more, more. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't do a Chris Pennock impression. <laughs> that Bob can. <laughs> also, um, we're recording this on May 1st, which happens to be the the uh, uh, second, the two-year anniversary of Terror at Collinwood. Uh, so this is something of an anniversary celebration as well. Uh, yay. <laughs> and I, I can't think of anybody I'd rather spend this uh, this uh, occasion with than, than these folks right here because uh, I've enjoyed spending time with them so much at, at Seaview Terrace over at Collinwood and uh, had so, I've had some great times with them and I'm uh, fortunate to call them friends here and I am joined by my guests, Nina Ogle Johnson, who was a member of the Dark Shadows Festival staff. She was also the co-writer of Dark Shadows the first year, and she uh, often attends the Seaview events. Guy Haynes, who is the official videographer of the Dark Shadows Festivals, a member of the Collinsport Players. He created popular music videos shown at the fests and at Seaview, and he helps decorate the Seaview events for Halloween and helps organize. I'm also joined by Bob Issel, who spearheads and organizes the Seaview events, who is also a member of the Collinsport Players and created all kinds of cool fan merchandise, including an amazing shirt that was scanned from the Ben Cooper Barnabas costume, which I wish I, I had gotten at the time because it was really sensational. Uh, he has many great stories uh, as well about the festival's interactions with Charles Randolph Greon. Um, he uh, also spearheaded Our Shadowed Past, a book which collects fan uh, memories, cast memories, crew memories, uh, and so many other things. I mean, each one of these individuals has done so much for the Dark Shadows fan community that I could spend an entire podcast episode just listing all of the things I just would love to hear from all of you. So welcome to the show. Um, I'd love to hear from each of you, I guess, starting with Nina, and then going to Guy and Bob about how each of you first discovered Dark Shadows. Because I talked to you at Seaview, but we didn't really like these kind of little short discussions, but I'd like to hear a little bit. I don't think we really got into that. So how did you get into Dark Shadows in the first place? Well, unlike you, I did not watch the Universal horror films or anything like that. I had not, I don't recall ever hearing about Dark Shadows the first year it was on. Maybe I did, but I don't remember. I happened to have the television on one afternoon, it was summer, and I'm sitting there on the, I remember I was sitting on the floor doing something and it was on, but I wasn't paying any attention to it. But it was the episode where Elizabeth was going to throw herself off Widow's Hill. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Vicky stops her. And that caught my attention. And something about Joan Bennett just captured my imagination, just really resonated with me. And I thought, oh my gosh. And that was the end of the show, you know, toward the end of the show. And I thought, I have to watch this tomorrow. And so I looked to see what the show was, because as I say, I hadn't been paying any attention. And I thought, oh, I have to, to tune into this again tomorrow. And so I did. And I was totally hooked at, at that point. And um, just became absolutely obsessed with the show from there on out. I was I was just turning twelve that summer, and throughout junior high and high school, I just 
I don't think Dark Shadows was ever out of my mind totally the whole rest of the run of the show. I just was so obsessed with it. But I wasn't so much into the horror part. To me, it was not scary at all. It, it was the costumes, the sets, the music, the chemistry between the people. It just all seemed so perfect. And like you, I've heard you say you don't see the camp in it. I didn't either. I, to me, I took it very seriously. I wanted to I wanted to live in Collinwood and be involved in all of that stuff because it was not scary to me. It was so alluring. And I just, I took it seriously. You know, I mean, I knew that it was obviously not real. I didn't believe in werewolves or vampires or anything, but I just thought it was just so perfectly done that if those things did exist, I would have been happy to be dealing with them. <laughs> yeah. Did you, it's that intrigue, right? The, there's the, oh, just, that, yeah. that pulls you in the suspense and the intrigue. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how about you, Guy? I don't know it was something nine and just said, she said, if all those things were happening, I would have been happy to to be involved with them. I'm sure Mrs. Johnson would have had some chores for you then. <laughs> I'd have been happy to do it. I would have <laughs> about them. Clean up after uh, when when Adam kidnapped uh, Carolyn, he knocked a few things over and Mrs. Johnson probably had you clean them up. <laughs> Danielle, do you mean uh, how did I discover Dark Shadows originally, or how did I discover fandom? Um, we'll get to the fandom part. I'd like okay. to hear about the how you discovered Dark Shadows originally. Oh, okay, people are tired of hearing this, but it's like sometime in the summer of 1966. Um, I think it was during uh, Saturday morning cartoons or something. I was watching ABC and I saw this commercial. And it had this beautiful girl with long, dark hair running from the mansion. And it said, uh, you know, uh, it said something about this is Widow's Hill at Victoria Winters. As she stands here, uh, uh, will she become uh, one of the widows who are one of the victims who has uh, jumped off of Widow's Hill? And tune in uh, Jan June 27th for dark shadows so i said wow that looks interesting i think i'm gonna watch that uh looking back i don't have any memory if i watched the first episode i later when i saw it in reruns i think it seemed familiar to me but it must not have grabbed me so in august of 67 my cousin john asked me if i knew that there was a, a soap opera with a vampire on it he said his name is barnabas i said really what is it he said dark shadows i said i'll have to check that out so the episode that the first episode that i saw barnabas and uh julia were in the old house uh drawing room and he was ranting about uh burke devlin how he looks he reminds me of my uncle jeremiah and i hated my uncle jeremiah and he and he and he and it takes that uh the family album and tears out the picture of Jeremiah and crumbles it up. And uh, at the time we didn't have a color set, but Barnabas was wearing that fancy blue smoking coat or whatever he wore. And uh, Julia had her white lab coat. And those two characters 
fascinated me. Uh, the opening monologue said, tonight, a bargain has been made, a bargain between the living and the dead. And as soon as the commercial came on after the opening credits, I ran out here into the kitchen. This is, was my grandmother's house at the time. My my aunt uh, Skeets was here. And I danced around this table saying, a bargain has been made, a bargain has been made between <laughs> the living and the dead. And they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> I love that. But that's That's it for that story. I love that. Oh, and you were hooked from then on. Yes, continued. And you do you watched it all the way through to the end, or yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And how about you, Bob? It's my earliest memories are of David exploring the West Wing, and I became enamored with the character David and thought, "Wow, that would be cool to explore the spooky house." Um, so yeah, I didn't watch it in the early days, in like '67 and leading up to Barnabas, but. Uh, once I started watching, I believe it was probably the 1897 episodes in 1969. And um, I'd watch it with my mom every day. And when school was in session, I'd run home from school, just like so many other kids did. And I'd say, and I'd get, we, I, I'd get home like 305. I'd say, what I'd miss, mom, what I'd miss. And she'd say, <laughs> nothing, just, you know, what happened yesterday. And so, uh, yeah, those are my earliest memories of the show. Um so you identified with with David. A lot of a lot of yeah, people yeah. like when they especially when the kids were central characters. I hear from so many people that that, that David or Amy like was kind of their into the show, seeing it through the kids' eyes uh, into the show. Uh, and there was such a huge kid audience for the show, and you were all kids watching it, and that was kind of I think unprecedented at at, at the time. You know that all these kids were running home to watch a a daytime soap opera, basically. But it was all you know, very different vibe from all of these other uh, daytime shows that were on, of course. It was, it was just gothic. Yeah, three o'clock in the summer, um, when mm -hmm. three o'clock rolled around in the summer, I would disappear. You know, I lived in a <laughs> uh, in a court and we'd play baseball. Yeah. And all my friends, not many of my friends watched Dark Shadows, which was, you know, I thought unusual because it did have a big following amongst kids. But they all knew, you know, Bob was in the house watching Dark Shadows for a half hour. So, you know, count me out of the game for half hour yeah so yeah were you all now i know nina you mentioned you hadn't been into like the universal monsters or any of that stuff were either one of you uh guy or bob into any of that stuff at that time as well because i know the monster craze was big at that time with famous monsters of film land and all of that stuff going around i i bought famous monsters magazine and monster world which is a sister publication I loved creepy and eerie magazines. Um, I had no idea there was an official Dark Shadows fan club or I would have joined it in a minute. I did find something in a magazine, uh, a, a Dark Shadows fan club. It was just a little ad in the, like a daytime TV. May That was a weird thing too. I started buying daytime TV and TV <laughs> magazines and like uh, yeah. as a little, you know, like, oh, don't, you know, I, you know, People say, why are you buying a, a date? Because in those days, only, you know, uh, mostly female audience watch the uh, soaps. But anyway, I, I got a little ad and uh, wrote and I unfortunately the the uh, band, the fan club disbanded with my first uh, package from them. It was uh -huh. just a little thing with uh, uh, several photos of uh, several actors and bios the brief bios of them but uh mm -hmm. yeah i i really wish that i had 
I had no idea how to write a, a letter, a fan letter, where to send it, you know. Sure. Um, no one no one advised me, you know, how to do that. But right, right. Um, Nina, you said when you were in high school, I know Dark Shadows had a huge teen audience as well, in addition to kids were were you um into the teen culture as well at the time, like buying like 16 magazine and Tiger Beat and all of that? I, I still have my 16s and Tiger Beats and all of those magazines wow. that I've bought in. I've still got every one of them in a box here in the closet and they're in pretty darn good shape for how old they are. Yes, I was at the drugstore. I was, you know, practically there before they unboxed them trying to get them. And <laughs> yeah, definitely into it. And I've still got them all. Wow, that's fantastic! That's so cool. And and what about you, Bob? Any were you into I, any other I pop spent culture? All my money on comic, on Marvel comic books. Marvel. I was a big Marvel kid, fantastic, fantastic, Thor, uh, Spider Man, and baseball cards. Mm -hmm. You know, I love, love baseball cards. So I, you know, when I spend my allowance on baseball cards, comic books, I did buy the Dark Shadows cards. I don't know whatever happened to those. <laughs> um, eventually, my mom gave my baseball card collection away to my cousin. I think he probably used that as a down payment for his house. I oh. couldn't believe my mom gave my collection away. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like guy. I had no idea there was a fan club. Um, that you know, I mean, it, it's so amazing how kids networked. Yeah. Back then, you know, obviously way before the internet, and uh, yeah, I would have loved to have been a part of that. I would have loved to have lived in New York and went to the studio. Yeah, that would have been. Great. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I would love yeah. to have, have experienced that I just to, to have been outside the studio. Just one, I would have loved to have been there just one time to imagine, you know, I can imagine what, how exciting that must've been to be well, one yeah. of the and studio kids. That know? was nice to get, you know, uh, you talked about our shadowed past. Yeah. And that, that was one of the things that I, one of the sections that, that you know, was really a priority for me. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Our <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wanted a, a section on the studio days kids and we managed to get quite a few of them to contribute. And it was, it's just so amazing to read their memories. And, and, and I'm sure Guy and Nina are along with me. We just envy them that those experiences. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'm friends with, well, my late husband was friends with this guy, Bill Urie, who grew up in New York and he was a studio kid. He, I don't think he went all, I think he just went a few times, but he said he took pictures of some of the actors. So I, I'm, I've been on him to like, send me those pictures. <laughs> yeah. I want to try to get him onto the show so he can talk about that and I could show some of the pictures. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. But um, yeah, and the fan club thing, I think it must have been like, yeah, like the kids outside the studio, probably the epicenter in New York. It's probably was easier to find out about it. I think like word of mouth with the kids telling each other and then these newsletters that would go out um, for different. And back then, it seemed like it was like the actors themselves were like the focus. Like you had a Jonathan Frid fan club or a uh, Marie Wallace fan club, et cetera. That, and then it gradually it seemed to uh, when it went into the 70s, you started getting like more general like dark shadows fan zines um, or fan newsletters about Dark Shadows in general versus the focus being a specific act, specific actor, uh, which is a, a good segue, I think, to talk about. So once Dark Shadows ended, that last episode came around. I do want to ask you that, like, what was your react? Did you know Dark Shadows was going to end when that last episode aired? Or were you, did you tune in the next day to see if it was really true or what, any anybody have any memory of that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah oh, please elaborate Dinah 
bad memories. Uh, I, it was like a parent died. I remember uh, I was so upset. I knew ahead of time it was going to go off. The last day I was inconsolable. I was just, and for days I'm just crying, just, you know, just could not stop crying over it. And uh, had I known all of this was going to happen to me when I was an old lady, I wouldn't have been so sad. <laughs> no, old not, not old you are not old please but no if i had known all of this was going to happen i you know i it wouldn't have been such a tragedy for me but uh, the, and i have this in in the our shadowed past so this is um things that most people have heard before but the weird thing was i kept a diary back in those days and i wrote down everything and the a day or two a, a few days after dark shadows went off when i was still in the early stages of, and it really was a form of grief that I went to. It was just awful. I remember it so clearly. And, but I wrote in my diary, I said, I have a feeling that dark shadows is going to be part of my future too. And wow. that just wow. is kind of creepy because it wow. did turn, I mean, it's been such a huge part of my life in middle age. And I don't know what made me write that. I have no idea yeah. why I wrote that. And I don't remember writing it, but when I, I still have my diary. So, you know, years ago I discovered, oh, I wrote that, that that was going to be part of my future, but how I, that was the only prophetic thought I ever had. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was very prophetic. Yeah, that definitely. Wow. Uh, how about you guys? Do you remember when Dark Shadows went, went off the air at all? Yeah. Um, I was aware I'd read it in the newspaper or something that the last air date or there would be April 2nd, 1971. And I was really down. I, I might've missed a few episodes in, in 1841 parallel time mm -hmm. because I, you know, just got my driver's license and, you know, there were other things to do after school, but um, I remember watching that last episode and when, they carried Melanie in with the bite marks on her neck and said, if I, you know, there, I, if I didn't know better, I'd swear there was a vampire on the grounds of Collinwood. I said, yay, it was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> and then you hear Thayer David's voice come in there and say, this actually was an animal bite. And I thought, oh, it's true. Uh -huh. You know, uh, uh, when I said I was a little lax toward the end, I did watch it to the, to the end, but I, uh, I might have been a little lax in there. Jonathan Frid, uh, the first fest, uh, ShadowCon 7, where I first saw him, he was uh, chiding the members of the audience. He said, now, how many of you watched it to the end? And and most of the hands went up. And he said, now, are you are you telling the truth now? He says, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your mother would, in the early days, uh, when you first started watching and Barnabas had Maggie kidnapped, your mother would say, I need you to go to the store and get a loaf of bread. And most of them would, no, no, I can't go not till this show is over, you know. But he said, toward the end, I think some of you listened to mom and, and <laughs> left Mark Shadows to go get a loaf of bread. <laughs> My mom could have told me that the house was on fire and I wouldn't have left the TV set. So <laughs> um, how about yeah. you, Bob? I, you know, I don't, maybe I just blocked it out because it was such a bad memory, but I don't remember watching the last I'm sure I watched the last episode because I watched the show with my mom but I don't remember um remorse I probably I I, I did miss the show but I don't re, I don't recall my remorse I mean because I had I, I was involved in a lot of other things sports and whatnot yeah but 
I did miss Dark Shadows when it went off the air. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm the only one who must have needed therapy after it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's clear that there was a lot of burnout by the end of of the show in terms of like producing that on a day not not from the fans more from the people creating the show i think i think it was you know must have been a very uh grueling kind of thing to do that for five years every day and dan curtis was had his sight sets on hollywood and and all maybe we're making movies and things so you know um we were talking about how important the stage door fans were to the show they were also important in a way to the writers because and this is another story that jonathan told at that shadow con you know the one day they came up with a a plot uh, discrepancy and they could not remember certain things and the writers were like going at it and they would ask the actors do you remember what happened here and someone had the bright idea let's go down and ask the kids outside And they came up with the answers. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd love to know specifically what that plot point was. I've heard it was something in 1897, but I, I don't during 1897, but I don't know specifically what the plot. Do, do any of you know what it was? No. Uh, yeah, that's that's it's I wish they had kept. I don't know, like uh, like Nina kept a diary. I wish somebody like behind the scenes had kept a diary of what was going on every day. Oh. And I, I'd love to hear the writers meeting notes. Like what what things did they talk about that might have been, you know, had they uh, yeah. done storylines and things like that? I Can I say one more thing? I yeah. kept a diary in 1968 mm-hmm. and um. I was so lazy writing in it that every day I would just write, watch DS, watch DS. <laughs> two, right, two, episodes, two episodes in 1968 really jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, April 1st, 1968, Vicky came back to the future. That uh-huh. I wrote that in my diary. And then um, around Thanksgiving of 68, great DS episode today, the werewolf tore out the caretaker's eyes. <laughs> 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 the Collinsport, you know, the end, the, the, the care, Collinsport in caretaker's eyes, it tore him out. Yeah, poor, poor Mr. <laughs> Wells. <laughs> you don't see him for a couple of years. He comes back and he gets killed by a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we mentioned fandom. So Dark Shadows ends, and then this. You know, there was a fandom for the show while it was on, certainly with the fan clubs and all of this. But then in the 70s, Dark Shadows kind of like like the undead characters of Dark Shadows, they always come back from the grave. So Dark Shadows come, comes, and it always has, and I think always will, always come comes back. And this fandom emerged in the 70s. And Guy, you mentioned uh, ShadowCon. Now, that was... Um, the first kind of manifestation of a convention for Dark Shadows. There were also fanzines at around that. I had Kathy Rush in the show talk, to, talk about you know, Justice League or Avengers of Dark Shadows fandom. She certainly was a hugely instrumental figure in the Dark Shadows fandom with the world of Dark Shadows. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you all got involved in the fandom to begin with, how you discovered it and how you became involved in it as a participant? Uh, I knew nothing about the fandom in the 70s. I didn't learn about it until in 1987, I first saw Jonathan Frid in Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked to even see his name in the paper because I hadn't heard his name since Dark Shadows days. And so of course I went to see it. 
shortly after that, at the time I was living in St. Louis, and shortly after that, he came back to St. Louis and did his one-man show, and they were going to have a reception afterward that he was going to attend. I had just started a new job. I think that was my first or second week on the job, and I went to my supervisor, and I said, I have to have, even though I just started the job, I said, I have to have that Friday off, so it was actually here in Columbia, where I live now, mm -hmm. and so... um yeah, I said I was living in St. Louis, but I, that was an error. I mean, I was back here in Missouri, but I was here in Columbia. And so I told my su new supervisor, I said, I have to have that Friday off, you know, so that I could go in to St. Louis for the day and attend that show and everything. And she said, oh, yes, of course you can do it. And I said, thank goodness, or I would have had to quit this job. <laughs> but um, I went to the reception and I was in line to get Jonathan's autograph and the woman behind me she and I started talking and she said well you know about all the fandom and shadowgram and all of that don't you and I said no she told me about it and so I immediately wrote for shadowgram and then that's how I got into it and nice. learned about it. I didn't get to a festival though until 90 I think it was 91 mm -hmm. uh, was my first one and then after that I only missed one wow. unfortunately. did after you go did you go to the east and west coast festivals yes. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. And you you were part, you became part of the convention staff, like organize, helping to organize. I started, I started volunteering at my very first one. And in 97, uh, the volunteer coordinator had not gotten, to, well, actually, I went up to ask him if I could help him with anything. And he hands me the whole stack of envelopes. And he says, <laughs> Job's yours. <laughs> and so another lady and I did it that weekend and then after that Jim Pearson called me and said well since you already did the job this past weekend you want it permanently and I said sure <laughs> that's right and you continue I, I think we should save guy the best for last I, I think I should go next okay because guy goes way back in fan well yeah you went to, you went to like the shadow Nina, my, my story kind of well it kind of mirror, mirrors um Nina's once Star Shadows went off the air I had no nothing I knew nothing about Dark Shadows until the new Dark Shadows, the 1990 series, 1991 series came on. Mm -hmm. And at that time, as I related in Our Shadow Past, um, I was dating a girl who had no idea what Dark Shadows was. She was younger and hadn't seen the show originally. And I got her to watch uh, the new show with me. And one night we were at Blockbuster Video renting a movie and she said, hey, here's that Dark Shadows you were talking about. I'm like, what? And she goes, Dark Shadows. And I walked over to where she was. And of course, it was VHS at that at that, at that time. And there was the resurrection of Barnabas Collins. There was like the first four volumes. I, you know what? We ran it that night. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> that. We watched Dark Shadows at the end. It said for fan club information right to Maplewood, New Jersey. So I did. And I attended my first festival in 1991 and uh, in L.A. in the spring of 91. They had two festivals. That was the last year they had two festivals. I did not go to the New York one because it was right around Thanksgiving. It was like Thanksgiving day. Yeah, like Nina, I never missed another festival from wow. 91 through 2016 when we had the 50th anniversary. I attended every festival and several of the peripheral events, like um, the Night of Dark Shadows event in 2001 in um, Hollywood, 
the 30th anniversary celebration in 96 at the Labar Bat and uh, a couple other events like that. So, yeah, that's how I rediscovered Dark Shadows thank, yeah. and because of the new Dark Shadows, which is another old Dark Shadows now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild to, to think about? And and Guy, you mentioned you went to ShadowCon. Was it the second ShadowCon you went to? No, I went to the seventh. The seventh, okay. 1983. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. they had been, um, I I'd heard, okay, here's how I got into it. Um, I In 70, 1977, of course, Star Wars came out and I was a huge Star Wars fan. And I'm also a little bit of an artist and I drew a picture of Chewbacca and I worked at the time in an art and frame shop. So I had Chewbacca framed on the wall and this lady came in and said, I told her I'd drawn it. She said, I know where you can sell it if you want. I said, where? She said, at a, at a Star Trek convention. I said, well, I've heard about these conventions. And so I went to this and and then I started buying uh, Starlog magazine. And then the back of Starlog, they would list science fiction conventions. And I would always look for one local, you know, well, here's one called ShadowCon for fans of Dark Shadows. Oh, wow. There's still fans of Dark Shadows around in 19... <laughs> 1979 or 78 yeah and so i sent away for the information and got uh flyers for dale clark's inside the old house kathy rush's the world of dark shadows shadow graham that marcy robin um put out and um subscribed to all of them contributed artwork to mostly to well to both zines but mostly to dale's inside the old house and um they they would list this shadow con thing and and it was un, unheard of in my mind to be able to actually go to the west coast for a convention and i would i would say well jonathan frid's not there the year that he's got that here he's there i'll be there so in 1982 two weeks before that that um shadow con Marcy sent out a, a postcard. Jonathan Frid has just agreed to join us at ShadowCon 6. And I said, um, it was, I had just started a job and it was too late for me to get off. I said, if he's there next year, I'm there. And that was my first, first uh, uh, Dark Shadows convention. It was also Jim Pearson's first Dark Shadows convention. I've got I've got people meeting Jonathan in the autograph line and I've got Jim walking up. He'd never met Jonathan before huh. getting an autograph, just like everybody else. So. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot uh, for those who may not know who are listening, I'm sure most people do listening. There's a Jim Pearson is, so he's handles all the licensing for Dan Curtis enterprises. He worked for Dan Curtis for many years and he started as a fan who subsequently did become officially uh, involved as the go-to person basically for handling all dark shadow anything to do with dark shadows you got to go through jim pearson now you all also uh you know nine became a member of the dark shadows festival staff um but you all became involved in the fandom after that uh, uh, interval parts of the fandom like the dark Collins sport players and uh guy you were became the videographer for the festivals like can you talk about how that came about, how you, how, uh, you became oh, involved in that. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, uh, at that shadow con shadow con seven, mm -hmm. they had after it, uh, afterwards they had a, what they call a dead dog party. And that's, I guess you try to figure out what, what went right, what went wrong with the convention. And apparently there was some turmoil. Um, and, uh, 
it was decided there were going to be there was going to be an East Coast uh, Dark Shadows convention. They were going to call it a Dark Shadows Festival. So I, you know, um, just started attending just like everybody else. But I this was 1983. I was one of the few people that had a video camera and I videotaped that first uh, festival and the second. And by the time I think the third rolled around in the program book, I looked it up and, and here I am listed on the staff as the um, video services, it said. Uh, and <laughs> at the time, uh, my friend Dave Brown, who's who's no longer with us, he was also uh, the one of the fish, two official. We would both be on different sides of the room and and capture, you know, everything that went on up on the stage. So I I, I was never asked. I just found myself listed in the in the program book as the Dark Shadows uh, videographer. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, I mentioned it when I was when I uh, talked with you at CV when we did that episode uh, on Halloween a couple of years back. But I got I was that's how I, I didn't get to go to the festivals until later on, until like the early 2000s or something. I went to to a couple of them, but in the um, uh, 80s, late 80s and or into the 90s, I, I would experience the festivals through your tapes. I would order them. I, I think I got them directly from you. I, you I'm pretty sure because I remember your name very vividly. So I think I, it was the ads in the back of the fanzine. I get these VHS tapes so I could watch how what the festivals were like and everything. I wish I had gone to more of them uh, than I did. I wish I'd been more involved in it. You, you did a lot with the Collinsport players with like Nancy Barrett performing and I got a couple of videos of you guys doing doing the sketches like of these play and I've had Jeff Thompson on before too who was also heavily involved with the Collinsport players can you talk a little bit about that well Bob should talk about the mm -hmm. the uh the skit with Nancy but yeah I'll, I'll just say I I loved um the the skits um many of them were directed by uh Jay Keaveny and many were directed by uh Jeff Thompson and I really wanted to be in it, but I, here I am behind the camera. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, I think the first skit that I was in, I had like a walk on. I was Elmer Fudd uh, <laughs> hunting, hunting <laughs> leviathans. I'm be very, very quiet. I'm hunting leviathans. <laughs> and um, then I, I found that, you know, whoever I had minding my camera, I thought, nah, I need to be behind the camera. So it was uh, many years before I actually had significant parts in the, I, I love, I love being in the skits. I, you know, I love doing some on location skits that we've done at Seaview, but um, uh, for the 2016 festival, um, Jim is so funny because in the early days, I really don't think he was too keen on the skits. Mm -hmm. Um and then they kind of grew on Jim, I think. And so the 2016, he said, Guy, uh, we need to have a skit at the 2000, uh, the 50th anniversary of Dark Shadows. And and um, he said, would you direct? I said, Jim, I've got to be behind the camera. I've never I've never directed. He said, well, what what if I, you know, uh, get you the script? And um, what if I get uh, one of the actors to be in? And I said, well, that would, I said, who? And he said, no, I think I could get Nancy to act in it. I said, well, okay, I will be glad to direct. <laughs> and with the, with the great help of Marie McGinn, how do you pronounce Marie's last name? Uh, Mad Margaret on, you, you know who I mean? Uh, yeah. Marie McGinney, McGinney, McGinney 
Uh, anyway, I apologize, Marie, if you're out there and I pronounce your name wrong, but she uh, was very involved in theater and she was a big help directing that also. So mm -hmm. I'll let Bob take that skit from here. Well, I played Barnabas. Yes. I had no idea Nikki was going to be in the skit. I, you know, the first several years that I went to the festival, I just sat in the audience and watched the skits and enjoyed them. And then at one point, necessity became the mother of invention. I was in California for one of the festivals and Amanda Trujillo yes. was, was had a skit that was going on and um, somebody didn't show up. So she asked if I could fill in. Long story short, there were two skits. I wasn't supposed to be in either one and I ended up in both of them. As Barnabas. So, it was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I appeared in a few more skits. Um, Guy did a great job directing. And he even plays Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis. Yes, I love that skit too. Yes, I've watched it. He looks like a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> you have a anyway, golf cap on. I know you're yeah, 2016. Yeah. yeah. It was so much fun to work with Nancy. Um, what was that like? She was she was really she was really into it. We had a few rehearsals, and I remember picking her up in rehearsal because I had to I had to pull her back to the table from the for the sass thing i remember picking her up and i have her in my arms and richie helper's like oh put her down you're gonna drop it she's <laughs> like he's fine you know don't worry i'm like richie she weighs all 90 pounds don't worry i've got her you know but she was nancy was a real sport and uh she was a lot of fun to work with in that skit she really was into it i mean she was really she she had her lines down pat and um she enjoyed a guy spearheaded the rehearsals and it, it really helped having some leadership and guidance in that respect. It was a great cast. She, she was Carolyn. She played Carolyn in it. As, she as played a, Carolyn, a, yeah. Nina, were you involved in any of that, in those sketches? No. Um, actually, as volunteer coordinator, I really missed a lot of stuff because I was working all the time. I was either sitting at the information desk or I was running around making sure that I had volunteers at each each station or i had to wait on you know like i had to get the actors food lunches and if they wanted something to drink run get it and um so i had no in fact i didn't even get to see the skits because that at that time on saturday night i would have to go up to the um festival suite and get it ready for the volunteer we had a little party on saturday nights for oh. the volunteers mm -hmm. and so I had to go up and get that ready and make sure, get the food up there and make sure all that was taken care of and go around and try and invite a few of the actors to come. And so I was, I just didn't have any time for any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you must have been so busy, but I'm glad you mentioned that because Dark Shadows fandom is one of the, I mean, one of the only fandoms I've seen where the actors and the people involved with the show, cast and crew are just mingle with the fans in such a friendly way to the point where they, they should invite the actors to the party for the volunteers and they, they would come and that's wonderful. That's, that's so cool. Yeah, it really is, you know, and um, I, you all have great stories about people involved with Dark Shadows, both the cast and the crew. And I'd love to hear some of that. And, and uh, I perfect. Nina is wearing a really cool shirt, by the way. Uh, can you talk about that shirt? <laughs> A little big for me, but a lot of people will recognize it if you look at pictures of Jonathan. It's Jonathan Fridge's shirt, and he wore it a lot. 
apparently. I have a lot of pictures of him in it. And the day that he put his handprint in the cement, that he was wearing this shirt that day. And I remember looking at him thinking, and it was so hot that day. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, he's wearing a dark shirt that's long sleeved. And I had, you know, I was dying of the heat. And I thought, how is he standing wearing that shirt? And so after he passed, his nephew brought it uh, along with some of his other things to the festival to auction off. And I bought his shirt. Wow. That's so cool. That is so cool. And you got very often, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It's for for the audio listeners. uh, It is a uh, a really cool blue, uh, dark, like dark blue, borne. I can't. Baby blue. And it's it's an over shirt. He would wear it. Jonathan would wear it over another shirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, t- can you talk about some of your memories, um, each of you of your, I guess, favorite memories from the festivals and just favorite memories of, of interaction with other fans and act and the actors too, like anything that jumps to mind that was particularly memorable or fun that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, well, I- this is now, now going to become a six hour program. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's so fine. Many- <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. For all of us, I'm right. sure. Who wants to go first? Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Guy. Noah. Maybe Guy should go because he has the most. Oh, no. no you, you you guys go ahead and, and I'll okay. I'll think I'm. Okay. <laughs> Bob, you want to go first? Well, I, you know, I, I have really good memories of Diana Malay, of Nancy Barrett. And I had I had sent Daniel some pictures of interacting with Diana um, I was enamored with the Phoenix character, and I was enamored with Diana after I met her. Diana Malay was such an interesting person. She would say what only other people would dare to think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guy and Nina know that. And uh, I actually got pretty close with Diana. I had made a portrait, um, a computerized portrait of the Phoenix portrait. And I presented it to her, and I think it was either 1995 or 96, I don't recall now, at Lyndhurst. And she really liked it. She wrote me a really nice thank you note um, on Egyptian papyrus, I guess it was. Wow, that's so cool. Um, and then the following year, I made her a, uh, a mouse pad of the Phoenix portrait. And I gave that to her at that 1996 um, 30th anniversary party we had at the Lar- La Barbat in New York City. And it- Again, she wrote me a really nice, thankful thank you note. She was she was really a very sweet lady, and uh, you know I enjoyed spending time with her at the festivals. Nancy Barrett too. Nancy was great. I had sent Nancy somehow I'd gotten her ad- address, and I had sent her a bunch of movie posters from Night of Dark Shadows, foreign movie posters, and I think it was 1995, and I never heard back from her. Um, so I just assumed she probably got them and threw them away. Well, fast forward to 1997, she had become friends with Craig through Louis uh, when Craig was doing Louis's biography, Big Craig Lou. Ham- Craig Hamrick, yeah. Craig Hamrick, right. Yeah, I should have mentioned Craig Hamrick's last name, right? Um, so Craig got Nancy to come to the festival, and that was a real big deal because she'd never been to a Dark Shadows festival. So... And I think I think nine. Well, that was the biggest festival we ever had. Yes. Yeah. It was ninety-seven at the Marriott Marquis. It was a huge group, and the really cool part was that the room that I stayed in, Nancy used as her green room, 
So we had we had Nancy in our room. <laughs> Craig, Craig had mentioned to her, you know, that he had mentioned me to her and, and he had mentioned that I had sent her some stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, I still have all that stuff. So she actually brought the she brought it to New York. Wow. And I had I sent Daniel some pictures to a vet and Nancy signed all these posters for me. And um, she put on my at that time I had designed an 1897 T-shirt. and She put that on. And uh, it was yeah. so much fun hanging out with Nancy. I was able to, I was uh, the only one allowed to videotape her performance and they gave me a spot right up front. And I'll never forget that, that festival. It was so much fun. It was so cool to just interact, interact with Nancy and be part of her entourage. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nina. Well, one of my favorite memories actually I had so many from the festivals, I can't even begin to, to name half of them. But one of my favorites was actually from one of Jonathan Frid's one-man shows. I ended up, after he moved back to Canada, I and a few other fans got to be part of his volunteer staff because when he would come back to the United States to do his one-man shows after he moved to Canada, because of the the tax situation between Canada and the US, he didn't want to get involved in taking money, so he donated all the money to charity. So Nancy Kersey, who was working with Jonathan at the time, recruited a few of us to help with things at the show, like selling tickets or selling merchandise or taking, we would help in the autograph line. Like I would take pictures of each person that wanted their picture with Jonathan so as a reward, he would have, he would invite us to his rehearsals. And so after one of these rehearsals, we were going to go, he was going to go out to dinner with us and the restaurant was not quite ready for us, for our group. Actually, the restaurant was going to be closed that night. It was tied in with the bed and breakfast where he was staying. And so the restaurant was closed, but the owner who ran the bed and breakfast where he was, was going to open it for us to go and eat. And they weren't ready for us. So Jonathan went up to his room and he came back down with a bottle of vodka. And he said, who wants to have a drink with me? And I was stunned because every single other person in the room left and went into the living area or some kind of reception room. And I'm the only one standing there. And I said, well, I will. So he and I went in the kitchen and he poured first time I ever drank vodka straight and but that we didn't have anything to mix it with. But so he poured me a vodka and poured himself a vodka. And we stood there leaning against the sink, chatting about movies and whatever. Wow. Um, and <laughs> I I could not believe my great good fortune to be the only one that said, I'll have a drink with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I, that's really cool. <laughs> that, that everyone else just didn't seem to want to do that and I, I just couldn't believe it but yeah. it was a wonderful, wonderful memory wonderful that's, memory. that's great wow and guy speaking of Jonathan you have I know you have a story about uh Jonathan uh, well hello there guy Haynes he oh, yeah. saw you that's I know you wrote about that a while back too in uh scary monster yeah, it, 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 yeah. it got to the point wherever he would see me he goes well hello there guy Haynes uh the one of the last times he said that to me um I had just walked into this dark auditorium and he was in there rehearsing and he was up front and I must've come in way in the back 
and I heard this voice ah, hello there guys <laughs> um I I have I've jotted down a few stories that that are short mm-hmm. and you interrupt me if I if I go too much but um um uh I I mean I could talk about I I figured I think for a future cast I'll talk about my trip to Newport with Jonathan but oh yes um, yeah uh at one of the festivals um uh, in New York, uh, probably at the Vista Hotel before uh, before the first bomb in the World Tra- World Trade Center went off and 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 caused it to become a Marriott. Um, I I was rooming with Helen Samaras and her sister. Her sister was ill at the time, and they put us on the same floor that they put the actors on. You know, this was a a no no a no no floor for fans for Dark Shadows fans. They were not supposed to be on that um floor <laughs> but because helen uh helen had a friend that worked for the uh, vista and she put us on that floor we were on the same floor as uh, laura and laura parker and jonathan frid and um so um uh i walked by uh, this room on my way to the elevator at one point and I, I heard these voices a man and woman's voice coming from behind this door and they were they were chanting something like the bells, the bells, the bells, the bells. And I said, I think Helen was with me. I said, Oh my gosh, Helen, do you think they're real Satan worshipers here at, at the festival? She said, I don't know. I don't know. Well, later on, we found out that uh, Jonathan and Laura were doing a recitation of, I think it's Edgar Allan Poe, the bells, the bells, yeah, the bells, the bells, and <laughs> we were in there rehearsing. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that was that was there was another festival where Lewis Edmond was supposed to be there and he he was you know and uh, everybody and um, was anticipating he had been at, at at least one prior festival so everybody was looking forward to seeing him and he never showed up and it turns out the festival sent a limousine to pick him up but Louis has a place in New York City and he had a place out on Long Island and the poor limo driver rode what drove way out on Long Island to oh. pick him up where he was uh, waiting in, in New York. So unfortunately, he didn't make that festival. Um, there was another festival. It might have been Joan Bennett's first, which I think was 85. Um, we were all in t- uh, se- seated in anticipation of Joan Bennett. And there were some chairs that were roped off toward the front where there was a fan sitting there. And um, one of the volunteers asked him to move and he wouldn't move. And um, then um, they got a little loud. And um, finally, this overzealous volunteer just grabbed the guy and wrestled him away. And and the, the crowd, everybody started looking, oh my, what's going on? What's going on? And don't you know, it was like a wave that crossed that the the audience. So, they, there was a all of a sudden a rumor started. Someone was there to assassinate Joan Bennett. Oh my <laughs> God! What? It was it's silly if you think of it, but it's like yeah. Oh my God! They, the guy had a gun and he was going to shoot Joan Bennett. What? Yikes! That's scary. Well, <laughs> these were things I'm telling things yeah. that people might not have heard. Um, I've uh, never heard that one. That's wild. Wow. One, one time, uh, this was like probably in the 2000s. I, you know, I, yeah, it was by the time the pre-Barnabas episodes came out and I loved the single episode 
with um, Love Lady Powell playing oh, she's great. Yeah. Fortune Fitzsimmons. She's <laughs> uh, uh, an art dealer and she wanted to buy Sam Evans uh, paintings. And I just loved her. And uh, so I did a little research and I found her phone number. And I gave her a call and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. And, and she said, well, what do you like that I've done? I said, well, I'm so sorry. The only thing that I know of is your Dark Shadows episode. And she goes, really? She seemed like a real nice lady. And, and uh, I invited, I said, I'm on the festival staff. I said, we would love for you if you ever want to join us at, you know, at a festival. And, and, uh, so I wound up, I think those were the days of VHS and I sent her a, a VHS copy of her episode, but uh, that was nice talking to her. Um, and finally, I just wanted to say, you were talking about Diana, how how uh, kind she was, but she was very frank with people. She would tell them what she thought. A lot of people took it the wrong way, but that was just her manner. I I remember before I knew her well, I was waiting. She was signing autographs and she was signing beside Cy Thomasoff, the uh, uh, set designer. And um, I was just waiting for people to get out of the way so I could get a good shot of him. And she saw me standing there with my camera and she was. And she 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 looked at me and said, finally, aren't you ever going to take the, your picture? I'm waiting. And so I had to take it of her. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell her I wanted to take it aside, Thomas. But that's enough of my little. Those are just. Oh, those are great. Those stories. are great stories. And, and and Bob, I know you also um, had a really great experience with uh, Charles Randolph Grion. You want to talk a little about, bit about that as well? Yeah. Well, like like most Dark Shadows fans in the 1990s, I was a big collector of merchandise, and I was. And back then, Guy could tell you the prices of stuff were through the roof, like an old Angelique 45 record was $200 if you could find one. Um, photocopies of old Angelique sheet, sheet music were like $60, $70 just for a photocopy because it was wow. stuff was very scarce. Well, again, somehow I'd gotten Mr. Grian's phone number and I called him because I knew he had produced the Josette's Music Box 45 RPM record. And he was really nice. At the time, um, his wife was a producer in New York City for ABC. And they had a um, they had a son that was autistic. And uh, long story short, I told Charlie that we were going to be out there. This was in 1996, uh, this, the same time that I was out there for the LaBar Bat um 30th anniversary um celebration and so he lived in weston connecticut which is right over by lockwood matthews mansion five minutes away and um he said well you know come on over so you know uh so after the event at at the uh labar bat we drove we drove to terrytown we spent the night in terrytown and we went to lynnhurst first before we went to charlie's which ended up being quite a ordeal because we went in search of the old house. And it, if anybody that hasn't been back there, it's very dense and overgrown back where the old, old house was, Spratt Mansion, burned down a 1970 guy, 69 or 70. You know. So we're back there and we actually find the foundation area for the, um, um, what do you call that thing? A uh, fountain? The fountain. The fountain. I think it was the fountain foundation that we found. 
anyway, long story short, I stepped on a nail Oof. and it was a rusty nail. And I couldn't oh. remember the last time I'd had a tetanus shot. So we, we were off to the hospital in Terrytown. So one of the guys that was with us, I gave him Charlie's number. I said, could you call him and just tell him we're going to be late? You know, so, so he did. And we went to the hospital. When we got to Charlie's. He was in the in a driveway and he was he had his hands behind his back. He was just standing there as we walked up. And as we walked, as soon as we walked up, he took his hands from behind his back and he had records in his hand. And he handed each of us a Josette's Music Box 45 record. Wow, that's so crazy. nice. Wow. I mean, because these records were so scarce. Yeah. And uh and then he invited us into his house and uh we had a nice, nice visit with him. He showed us his scrapbook. He had played for at that time six or seven sitting presidents. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. he was a he was a very good friends with Diana Shore and had a lot of pictures with Diana Shore. Um, but yeah, so it went so well that he ended wow. up coming to um, at the time there was uh, what was the, the Collins Association? Collins Association, yeah, yeah. Collins Association um, had a Halloween party at Lockwood Matthews, and Charlie came to the Halloween party, which was really cool. That's great. <laughs> and he spoke. Uh, he spoke to everybody, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. I mean, yeah, I remember sitting in his living room, and one of my friends, Rick, said, "Mr. Grian, I've been looking for this Star Trek record for years. Would you happen to know it? Because he had produced it, and I, I." <laughs> Swear to God, Charlie goes over to his closet, pulls out a brown box, goes like this, boom, 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 pulls the record out, and he gives it to my friend Rick. Wow. <laughs> and Rick was like, That's he was amazing. stunned. Wow. So, yeah, it was such a great visit. And he yeah. showed us pictures of his boat. And he goes, with my profits from Quentin's theme, Shadows of the Night, I bought this boat. So <laughs> it was, wow. yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah very yeah. cool. And um, we mentioned Dark Shadows merchandise and um, you, Bob, have kind of um, filled the niche there a, a lot because there's sometimes, you know, there have been things that were not made for Dark Shadows and you did like small runs of certain uh, items that were just really cool for the fans can you talk a little bit about some of those like I mentioned the t-shirt at the top of the show uh, uh, from the scanned Ben Cooper costume which is incredible that you even had the Ben Cooper costume that's uh that is well, a... that was a great story yeah <laughs> that was a great story too because one of my friends local here in, in Illinois wrote an article about my Dark Shadows collection complete with pictures and uh, my name and everything and uh, one night I get home and there's this message on my answer machine that said, hi, Bob, my name's such and such. I saw the art. I saw your article in the Elgin Courier. Um, I have a Barnabas Collins costume and I was wondering if you'd be interested in there was a phone number. And I'm like, I was thinking, wow, so someone's <laughs> pranking me because the Barnabas Collins costume does not exist. You know, I mean, there's one or two at that time. Again, this was in, in the 1990s, mid 1990s. You didn't you, I only knew of one person that owned it at that time well i called back the number and i'm and i and i'm telling the woman's was i kept saying who is this she goes she was saying your name i'm like no who is this really who put you up to this and she's like i'm serious you know so i, I ended up going 15 minutes from my house so no way wow house, and she i get there and she goes into her closet and she pulls out the box the barnabas Halloween cashew and wow. 
it was just amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what I paid for it. I want to say it was like six or seven hundred dollars. Which um, is a steal compared to what it would yeah, go for. Because yeah. I know Jeff sold his and he talked about what you know, went for. Right. And eventually price. I sold mine. But mm -hmm. before I sold mine, I had a silk screen made of the design. And as you know, I had t-shirts made of that. Mm -hmm. And I also had an adult apron costume made for myself. And I actually wore that at the Halloween party that Charlie came to in 1996 at, at Lockwood Matthews. But then I also had a mold made of the mask. Mm -hmm. and I actually had, and I had rubber masks made. So wow. Oh, that's so cool. Of mask. Oh, wow. And the guy that made these masks did such a great job painting them. They were identical to the original plastic mask. Yeah. And the nice thing about this is it's rubber, so it wasn't going to break, you mm -hmm. know? So I, I had, you know, a handful of these made up too, and we had fun with them at festivals. Uh, one time, uh, Dean Wilson, myself, and another friend, we, uh, Rich Blanco, we did a, to tell the truth where each, each of them had a mask on <laughs> and, and my name is Barnabas Collins. My name is Barnabas Collins. With the real <laughs> Collins. Please stand up. You know, we did a whole bunch of questions. I am seated as Nicholas Blair. We have it on videos. <laughs> that's great. It, it was so much fun. That's, that's another thing, you know, guy is so good about, we have so many videos that we made like at Lynnhurst and, uh, there's no better Sam Evans than Guy Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I but, uh, when I met uh, uh, Charles Randolph Grion, I was dressed as Sam Evans. <laughs> and he, he's looking in the picture. He's looking at me like, "What is this?" <laughs> isn't there isn't there a video of you in front of the Evans Cottage uh, in, in yeah. Essex, Connecticut? Going, all right, Maggie, I'm going to the Blue Way. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, well, thanks, thanks to Bob, we made friends with the the people that live there, and and uh, they let me come in and change into my Sam Evans outfit in their house. And Mrs. Campbell was Mrs. Campbell was even the voice of Maggie Evans. Yeah, yeah, I, I was saying, okay, Maggie, I'll see you, darling, and she goes, okay, Pop. Oh, that's great. You know, and and you know, guys followed up a lot with that, and myself too. Uh, we've become very good friends with Mrs. Campbell. And, you know, guys stop by whenever he's in Essex and myself and we, she always enjoys seeing us, which yeah. is really nice because we and always bring new people by. And Several years ago, thanks to Nina, uh, we we were able to to introduce Catherine to her house. Catherine Lee Scott. Yeah. Campbell. yeah. <laughs> Catherine yeah. Lee Scott. Maggie Evans came wow. home to her cottage for the first time. <laughs> what was that like? That must have been really fun. Yeah, Nina, yeah. you want to talk about that? Well, that was, it was so funny because how it came about was Bob invited her to join our, during COVID, we had Zoom chats of, you know, the Seaview people and a few others. And so Bob decided to invite Catherine to one of our Zoom chats and she, she got on. And at the end, Bob opened it up to questions. And I don't know what made me think of this, but I just, I thought, I said, oh, I've got a question. I said, have you ever been to Essex to see the Evans Cottage in the coffee shop where Maggie worked and all of this? And she says, no, what, what is it? Where, where is it? And she had no clue. And so we told her and then we, we left it. I said, well, well, we should get you there sometime. And it was just kind of one of those things that you say, and mm -hmm. you don't think it's ever really going to happen. And then I had occasion to exchange an e email with her a few months later and at the end of it, I said, oh, we really need to get you to Essex, Connecticut sometime to see those places. And again, 
didn't think anything would come of it. And about five minutes later, I get an email back from her and she says, how about June 27th, the anniversary? <laughs> wow. I nearly, I nearly fell off my sofa. And so she said, well, can you help kind of organize it and all that? We had to keep it small because the Griswold Inn, which was, of course, the the coffee shop, they were having some events there that weekend. And they said, we can't accommodate very many people. And we knew that the ones that we wanted Catherine to stay there and I wanted to stay there and a few others really wanted to be in that building. So we kept it a very small group, but we, she came down with her boyfriend and we, we had the whole weekend there and she got to stay in the Collinsport Inn and go to the, her coffee shop, which is actually more of a bar restaurant and we took her to the Evans cottage. And the really weird thing was she and her boyfriend got into my rental car with me. So I'm driving Maggie Evans, Catherine Lee Scott to the Evans cottage. And I thought <laughs> this is just, I'm mean, just real. It was a goosebumpy moment, you know? Yeah. And it was really fun. And we just had, we had a great time. We just, um, and then that spurred her to get interested in coming up to Seaview. And so she came that October. So it was just a fun, you know, it all came out of just, you know, casual conversation. And all of a sudden she was like, yeah, I'll go. And, and, and it happened. And she's a, since it's the anniversary of the first airing of the show, June 27, we got a big sheet cake, you know, anniversary cake for the show. And she cut, we, after we went out to the Griswold then to have dinner, we went to a little park across the street where they had an ice cream shop and we had the cake and ice cream and she cut the cake for everybody for uh, a really nice little mini event. You know, I love that. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That's so cool. Bob, 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 I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about when she came and stayed at Seaview. Yeah. I want to talk about Seaview. I would love to hear about how Seaview well, happened yeah. well, and we how factors staying there. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> we have a room that we call Josette's room and guy had the great idea of, well, I got to, I, I got to get Nina props because Nina helped really get the room fixed up. Nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. We have, we have a Josette's portrait that Cindy Merritt Yates painted years ago. And it's really a beautiful portrait. And we put the portrait in the room and then guy, why don't you go ahead and well, we got we we got jasmine soap and jasmine perfume, <laughs> and uh, I uh, uh, you know what I what I thought Bob might say was she I think we were just going to put her and her boyfriend up in a ho in a mo hotel, and she yeah. said no, I want to stay in the house. So yeah. she was, you can't keep up with her. I tell you what, I mean, she's all over the place. Uh, but uh, uh, when when I got I videotaped her going up the steps, then I got to the room before she she got there, and it just occurred to me, I'm David. I'm David. Now, I wish I had more time because this kind of sounds dumb, but I I, I go I'm in the room and and I'm looking at the uh, with the camera on the on the portrait, and it's Josette. I'm Josette. It's David. I'm frightened. David. Josette, please don't <laughs> help me. And then I I went over to the door, and in walks Catherine Lee Scott. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? I love that, it. You know, I love I mean, that. <laughs> and behind yeah. the uh, the 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 uh, cottage, the Evans cottage where the uh, Campbells live, there's a graveyard, and there's there's uh, several gravestones with uh, someone named Barnabas. Yeah, home <clears throat> is virtually behind the Evans cottage. Right, right. Which maybe that was one that maybe that was the gravestone that Bob Costello claims he saw the name on, and um. 
she no longer lives there, but Alexandra Moltke used to live right oh. near the Evans car. She didn't even realize that was the house, Look right? Next yeah, we can tell that next story. door. Yeah. Bob, yeah. Bob called me a few years ago. He says, Guy, I've got I've got to tell somebody. I've got to and 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 I said, What? What? He said, no, you can't, you gotta swear you won't tell anybody. He says, he says, Alexandra Isles lives right next door to the Evans cottage. And, <laughs> and I said, What? And he was able, uh, her husband had passed away and he was able to figure out where she lived. And um, then she no longer lives there. So anybody out there don't think you're going to, but right. uh, she's very but, private. Uh, so she was yeah, very private. No, no one, please don't bother her. But uh, uh, when we, uh, after she moved, Mrs. Campbell said to us, she said, I was born to secrecy. She she said she knew you guys came up here to see the Evans Cottage. And so I was never able to tell you she's right next door. Vicky moved in next door to Maggie. It's it's a great. Well, Alexandra was very, very gr gracious in signing several photos for me for my um, raffles that we have out up at Seaview Terrace. I won so one of them, I, so I was excited to get one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had been in touch with her, so I thought it only fair that whenever we were going to be in town, I would email her and say, I'd let, I'd let her know when we were going to be in town so she wouldn't be caught like at the Griswold did or, or the post office, and all of a sudden, all of us are there. Yeah. And, yeah, and the post office is the Collinsport Police Station. Now, I don't think I don't think I mentioned this yet. When, we were, when I was down there in October... We went down in October and uh, it was uh, ha on Halloween and it was the streets were decorated. And in front of the post office where uh, Sheriff Patterson once worked, <laughs> there, was, there was a Barnabas. Uh, remember, that was like a Barnabas decoration on the phone. Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Uh, Scarecrow. Yeah. That's right. I Barnabas think, Scarecrow. Yeah. I think the town has a contest every year of people. Uh, creating scarecrows and they put them on the on the street posts yeah and yeah yeah right in front of the collinsport police station there was a there was a barnabas so somebody somebody <laughs> right. knew somebody was knew knew what you'll that. have to show a picture of that danielle i know you have a picture you have to i show did a take a picture yeah i'll have to i'll have to put a picture on the video version we did the episode the seaview episode where i talked to to the three of you and and several other folks there at seaview and i'd love if you could talk a little bit about that, this is actually a, a private residence. It's a mansion. It's a, it is a mansion, right. but you know there are only a certain number of people that can stay there every year. But it's you have an arrangement with the Carey family to to do this. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, yeah. I mean, gosh, that dates all the way back to 1993. My first visit, Guy and Helen took me up to Seaview. They were doing some Collinsport player um, filming on the terrace along with a few other fans and they were in costume and um in one scene guy was actually out on the lawn and i was standing next to him and he's filming and he he, he says here there comes mrs carrie because he had seen pictures of her and mrs carrie came up and uh she asked us if we were with the college and we said no and she asked us if we had permission to be underground this was in the summer of 1993 and so there were kids there for summer school and um there were people milling about the property and uh we're, we're like no we don't have permission she goes well i'm gonna have to ask you you know mrs carrie i'm gonna have to ask you to leave and uh then guy i always say guy chimed up in that cherub voice of his oh well we really <laughs> love your house and you know i'm from maryland you know he, he mentioned we just come up come from a dark shadows festival in new york bob's from illinois and you know and he mentioned where we were all from and 
in the span of five minutes, we went from being kicked off the property to be giving to be being given a tour of the house by Mrs. <laughs> Carey, uh, with a brief stopover by the tennis courts where there was a worker painting the fence. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why we're walking over here. Well, the worker was Mr. Carey. And I immediately became enamored with Mr. Carey. I'm like, here's a, a guy that's hands-on. He's painting the fence himself, you know, instead of having some kid paint the fence, he's up there painting the fence. So the Careys were going back to New York that day. We helped them load up their, their car. And um, Salve Regina's security was on site. But we have Mrs. Carey saying, bye, take care of my house. <laughs> and and uh, they left and they left us at the house, which was pretty cool. We got to, we hung out at the house for a while. Um, but prior to her leaving, we exchanged information. And then um, two years later, in 1995, uh, I contacted her and said we were bringing a group up um, after the festival at the Marriott Marquis. And uh, she said, well, we'll be here. And um, I think there was somewhere between 13 to 15 of us. And she gave us a tour of the house, which we have on videotape, thanks to Dean Wilson. Rest in peace, Dean. Dean had the big video camera. So Dean, myself, and Rich Blanco took turns holding the video camera as Mrs. Carey walked us around the house. Um, and then between you know, from between 1995 and 2009, whenever I wanted to bring a group up to the house, Mrs. Carey had arranged with uh, Selvey's security to allow us to be on the property. Mm -hmm. If not in a house, we were at least allowed to be on the property. It would all depend year to year on what was going on with the kids in the house. And then when uh, the Carey family ended their relationship with Selvey in 2009, we started having some fan gatherings in the house. And uh, yeah, we, we've been having them ever since. Yeah, so, and you've, you've all been, and I know Nina and Guy, or you've been to most, almost all of them, if not all of them, right? Yeah. I'm the only one besides Bob that's been to all of them. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's Nina's been wow. all of them. Guy had to miss one with kidney stones. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're both integral parts of what goes on there. Guy's decorating is second to none. I mean, and he has some yeah. oh, know, my Mark Hicks and and Ruth uh, Mather, our, our big helpers, Helen. Um, yeah, I uh, that's what I want. That's my that's the most fun um, for me is showing first timers the house decorated just like yeah. i just love seeing their you know looking at the house uh, inside and out so yeah yeah you do you have a video on youtube of, of of you walking around the house decorated or no yeah i do yeah there's i have several I, I'll, yeah, there's uh, one with the werewolf animatronic that yeah. and you yell you say you call you yell at jennings or something <laughs> yeah, and and I have to say, a while ago, Nina was saying that uh, she didn't uh, get involved in the uh, skits, but she did do a skit for me as Elizabeth inside yes. the house, and she, oh. she she looked gorgeous. She looked like Elizabeth Collins Stoddard. That's on uh, YouTube. Also, I'll I'll send you a link if you want. But, oh, I want to see that. Not, yeah. And I, you'd make you would be a great Elizabeth. I would love to see that. That's you awesome. Look, <laughs> you should look guy's YouTube channel for. Oh, I will. Who don't know him because he's got so much incredible stuff. 
and 100%. I'm so so lax because I there's a lot of stuff I don't put up. I get discouraged with uh, YouTube and Facebook because I've tried to upload my music videos, and they take them they they just take the music away, saying it's copyright infringement. But I I hear there's a way around that. I'll I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I'm gonna work on that. But um, yeah, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes to your YouTube channel, which I, I've been subscribed to for a while, and you have some fantastic videos on oh, on there. All great stuff. Thank yeah, you. it really is. Yeah, yeah. and I get goosebumps thinking about it because when you see that house for the first time, it's a surreal experience, and and for me, it's never gotten old. Every time I go up to Newport. I always make it a point to walk down towards the edge of the property and at some point turn around and have that classic view of the house. Mm -hmm. And it always gives me goosebumps. It's always like, I always have to pinch myself. Am I really here? That never gets because old. None, it's of true. Thought, none of us would have ever thought back in 1967, 66, that we would ever see Seaview Terrace. Colin mm -hmm. would much less be allowed inside and then to be able to have events there, you yeah. know, and it's, it, you know, I've got a dedication page in our shadowed past to the, to Mr. Carey. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Mr. and Mrs. Carey and their daughter, Denise, they make this all possible. I mean, they are just so gracious, so down to earth. And they really care about us and we really care about them. Our first party, Mr. Gear, Mr. Carey said, you guys bring a warmth that has been missing, a warmth and a, a, a life that's been missing from this house. Yeah. Love. And, Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we do because everybody's got a passion for that house. Um, normally how pe new people come to the house is there, and I was talking to a guy with, about this the other night, is they're referred to by somebody already coming. I just can't accept any anybody off the streets that I don't know. Sure. This is a private so, residence it, for those it's listening. It's a private residence, right. Yeah. So usually... Um, like if guy says, Hey, Bob, this person's interested in coming. Can you add them to their email to the email list? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, because it's guy, you know, it's, sure. or it's Nina, if they say, Hey, you know, such and such, but I just can't take random people right. that I don't know. Cause you don't know who's, person. who's going right. to, yeah, absolutely. No, I was just going to say, I don't know, Guy or Bob, if you want to touch on some of the work that, I mean, it doesn't compare to the work being done now, but minor well, things that like um, Patrick de Blasi and the the staircase and, you know, how that was improved, you know, little right. projects that I don't know if you want to well, touch yeah, I mean, on. Yeah, we could, we could talk about, you know, like the metal gates, how, you know, Nina's gates, how we sanded the gates and uh, they repainted yeah. them. And wow. The staircase, we got some of the etchings out of the staircase. For anybody who doesn't know it out there, there's a portrait of Barnabas that hangs there year round. It's hung there since 2009. It even was, it was not taken down when Denise Carey got married and uh, it was there for her reception. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I saw that when I was in there. Mr. <laughs> Carey's mother was a Collins. No kidding, really? Is that true, Bob? Did I get that yes. right? Yeah. Yep. I do want to bring up one thing. Um, Bob sent me some great pictures of Louis Edmonds. And everyone I talk to has nothing but nice things to say about Louis Edmonds. He seemed like such a genuinely fun person to be around and a nice, kind person. Just stories of kindness, a very genuinely kind Person. I know Helen Samaras, who helps out a lot at this evening. She cooks so much at those events. Like She's cooking in the kitchen and she does so much, but she was very close with Louis Edmonds. But 
Do you have some Louis Edmonds stories to share? Uh, or would you like to share any? Um, I, I mean, I have a couple Louis stories, but, you know, Guy actually lived with Louis for six weeks. Wasn't it Guy? Was it six three, weeks? Three weeks. Mm-hmm. Three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Let me go first while they're still fresh in my mind, because um, otherwise I'll forget. But this is this is a great this is Louis. Louis was such a trooper. Okay, we talked earlier about some of the Collins Association program, uh, Halloween parties. And there was one party that Louis came to where that morning he had rolled out of bed and he, he hit his head. And he came to the party anyway. And he had this huge bruise and redness on his forehead. This was, this was 1999. I remember because I was dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I had my lightsaber and I had, I had a pointed at Louis's head and he played around he played with it like oh you know he, he, <laughs> he played off of it um and another story about Louis at, at another gathering at Lynnhurst he had he was he had worn a kilt to Lynnhurst and I'm in the I'm in the men's washroom at the urinal taking care of my business Louis comes in next to me and just lifts his kilt and starts <laughs> To urinate and he goes ah freedom <laughs> like Louis <laughs> but I'll tell you that's how Louis was just so much fun um you know I'm gonna I'm actually gonna introduce guy into this part of this segment because uh in 1998 guy was supposed to go to Newport with us but Louis was in need of a nurse and he knew guy was a nurse so he got a hold of Guy and Guy, where Guy worked, they gave him a, a leave of absence to go take care of Louis. Well, when when Louis found out from Guy that Guy had originally was going on this trip with us, he says, "Oh, you have to have your friends come to the house." So we were all invited to Louis's house, and um, Louis has a pair of shutters from the old house that burned down, and. You know, he he tells the story that he was out there for something or another, um, and he saw these shutters, and he says, oh, I simply have to have them. And he had somebody put them in their pickup truck and transported them back to Long Island, and now they're hanging on his house, and he says, and Bob Costello calls it dark shutters. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and he signed his guest book, The Dark Shutters of uh, Bob shutters, Costello. Yeah, and I sent, you, I sent you some pictures of those yeah. that maybe you could share, but... Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Guy take over. That, did Nina have anything she wanted to say about Louis? Oh, I, I don't really have that many um, interactions with him. There was one time I was sitting next to him. I was watching Diana Malay's table for her, and he was sitting next to her. And so when I sat down to watch her table, he asked me my name, and he made up a little song right on the spot and sang it to me. And I Aww. would, I would kill to have a video of that because oh, I don't remember what the song, what the words were or anything, but he, he put my name into this song. Oh, yeah. song. <laughs> it was so sweet. And I, I wish that would have been recorded, but it was a nice, even though I don't remember the words or anything, it was so, it's a very nice memory that I have of, of him. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I, I'll try to make this quick because I, I tell you what, it's, it's sometime if I come back, I'll, I'll, do the whole show about Louie because I, <laughs> I, I, I stayed with him for three weeks and I kept the video diary every night, so, mm-hmm. uh, at least 15 minutes a night uh, talking about the events of the day. Wow. And sometimes they got a little bit naughty. So, 
And I thought, uh, it, Bob, I thought I was the only one that had a Dark Shadows actor uh, urinating story. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody... Uh, I don't, if anybody read my article, I or I, maybe I didn't even put it in my article about driving up to Newport the first time with Jonathan Frid and uh, Ann Wilson was driving us and he, Jonathan kept saying, Ann, how about a, a pit stop? And and she kept driving and driving and uh, Ann, uh, I need the, that pit stop soon. And the, <laughs> I'm not going uh, yeah. to, but um, <laughs> with, with Louis, Louis um, had uh, respiratory problems. Well, he had developed throat cancer, I think in 1991, he had an operation, he had trouble swallowing, and he had aspirated sometime in 97, uh, got an aspiration pneumonia, um, got out of the hospital at that time, his brother Ramey called me and asked if I could come up and be his nurse. And at that time, I couldn't. But then he went back into the hospital another time. And he got out and they said, we really do need a nurse. And so I was able to get off my job for uh, three weeks and go and be Louis's nurse. Mm -hmm. And that was quite an experience. It was a lot of fun. The man is, was, is, was wonderful. Um, uh, funny, naughty, um, mm -hmm. genuine, um, uh, considerate. Uh, he, um, he had, <laughs> He had me uh, not only doing nursing things, but I we went out, uh, he needed manure for his garden. So we went out to this horse farm and shoveled manure. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Then, I, then when I, the last day that I left, uh, he had uh, gotten a new nurse and I was going around before I left videotaping his, the rookery, which is yeah. what he called his home on Long Island. And here he's showing it's new nurse out of shovel and garden. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. <laughs> so he, wow. I remember him. Wasn't, wasn't his name Robert? Was was it, was was it Robert? Uh, no, he was uh, Hispanic. Uh, Julio, I believe, was his oh. name. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I uh, I've got a, a million stories. Yeah. But you, you... The, the 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 one nice thing was uh, I arrived um in the middle of the night because I worked till eleven thirty here in Maryland, and then I drove to New York. Um, and a, he, he, he told me, he said, no guy, I'm, I might, I'm in the city at my place in the city. Um, I'll be out tomorrow afternoon. You, you go into the guest house. He had a beautiful guest house and, um, you sleep there and I'll wake you up when I get to the rookery tomorrow afternoon. So I, I slept so well. And the next thing I know it was daylight and the rookery had these they weren't shutters, but they were like uh, uh, boards that covered the windows and the, the windows were screened. It was, there was no air conditioning, just a beautiful breeze came in and Louis was, here I am, Uncle Roger is waking me up. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now but, you also went to um, Joan Bennett's house and had her as Elizabeth. Oh, uh, say, yeah. yes, Victoria, was, oh, Victoria Winters uh, is my daughter. <laughs> My friends, uh, Chris uh, Noakes and uh, yeah. Walt Miller um, mm -hmm. set up a, a visit with Joan. And uh, and when Jim Pearson uh, found out about it, he asked me if I could videotape Joan doing a greeting for, um, this was 1986, for the Dallas Dark Shadows convention. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. Um, when she answered the door, um, 
she said, can I, she answered the door herself, even though she had a maid working. Uh, she said, can I help you? And we said, well, Miss Bennett, we're, we're, you know, you, you said we could come by today. She said, I did. She said, uh -huh. excuse me just a minute. I need to go check my, my, uh, my schedule book. So she came back a few minutes later. She says, I'm terribly sorry. Yes, I, 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 it slipped my mind. Please come in. So she had us waiting in her living room. She said, please excuse me. I want to slip into something nicer. And so she came out with this beautiful, bright saffron yellow blouse that I, I said, you look so good in yellow. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and um, her husband, uh, David Wilde, at the time, he was in the backyard, uh, only had a pair of, of shorts and sandals on, and he's he was doing landscaping. He was putting in a little uh, fountain that trickled down, and um, we were, we Joan decided that we could videotape out there on her, in her backyard with these ferns and plants behind her, and, and uh, we were the, my friend Chris was doing the interview and asking her questions and every once in a while, bang, 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 bang. Uh, her husband was banging with the hammer and she said, David, we're, we're, we're doing an interview here. <laughs> and he said, how the hell do you think I'm going to get this? And I thought, Oh my gosh, he hates us. He hates us being here. And so <laughs> finally, when, when we were done, um, he came over, he was the nicest man. He showed us all around the house and everything. But um, it occurred to us the night before that maybe we could get her to finally once and for all settle if, if Elizabeth was Victoria Winter's real mother. So I had some lines written down, just not two, maybe two, three lines. And she said, OK, I'll do it. And she put her glasses on and lit up a cigarette and was studying her line. And and then finally says, I think I'm ready. OK, I'm ready. And, and so she she said her lines but she didn't say them as they were written but what she said came out better than what we had written you know mm -hmm. she said as, as speaking as elizabeth i have a oh no she said i have a message from my dark shadows fans speaking as elizabeth indeed victoria winters was my daughter and uh, we just <laughs> went wild when she said that it was yeah. just so wonderful and the fans in dallas really love hearing yeah that, so. yeah i just uh, i just had a fan on talking about Victoria Winters because her she she's more she prefers the the Art Wallace shadows on the wall the original plan that Vicky was going to be Paul Stoddard's daughter but I think when Alexandra came in and auditioned she looked she resembled Joan she bore some resemblance to Joan Bennett and they switched gears and the writers were going to have her be Liz's daughter uh, is that, I think that's kind of the majority, I think, of Dark Shadows fans go. I, I don't want to, I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't want to dash anybody's hopes or anything, but uh, I, I'd always wanted to believe uh, that, that, and I had heard that too, that once they saw the resemblance between Alexandra and Joan Bennett, that they decided, and I do, I do know that at the first festival, the first East Coast festival, Ron Sprout was the only guest, and he, and we asked, and he said yes, it was eventually going to be revealed that uh, Elizabeth was Victoria's mother. That, mm -hmm. so uh, maybe not in the very beginning, but it might have it had evolved to that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I've talked to the guy about this before, and I'd be all fine and good with that if it wasn't for the Betty Hanscom portrait mm -hmm. because i mean betty hanscom was victoria winters unless i mean the you know, her remember, father remember when what's that 
her father, Hanscom, the butler. He could have been. He could he have, have been the father, and well, she could. So my my theory is that Jameson Collins had an affair. Yes. With Betty Hanscom, and the offspring was Victoria Winters. That would still keep her a Collins. That would keep her a Collins, and would make her Liz's half sister. Yeah. How else do you explain? It, it, the, the portrait is of her. I mean, you remember she mm -hmm. walks in the drawing room with the portrait and Roger and Elizabeth are like, we don't see any resemblance. And Carolyn says, oh, Vicky, who painted the portrait of you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if if Be if Hanscom, the butler, is the father of Betty Hanscom and he is the father, if he is the father of Vicky with Liz, then they, Liz and Betty Hanscom could be half sisters as well, which could also explain the resemblance. So there, I mean, this is all always theoretical. We can always spitball ideas. Nina, do you have any theories? No, not real. I I just accept, you know, the pronouncement that she was Elizabeth's daughter. Uh -huh. uh, I I'm more more consumed by incredible jealousy that that guy got to go to her house because meeting her was <laughs> would you know it's gonna be that it's still one of the big regrets of my life that I never got to meet Joan because she was my reason for getting into dark shadows and I just loved her and you know it was so funny you, you, at the beginning you said well a lot of kids identified with David here I was a 12 year old girl and I identified with a 56 year old woman yay <laughs> yay I love that. I, you know, we all have our regrets. I, I never got to meet my um, ultimate um, Grayson. I never got to meet Grayson oh, and I would have loved to have met Thayer too. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. For me, meeting, meeting Jonathan was huge for me. I remember at the festival calling home and telling and my, cause my, you know, as I've said, my mom was a huge fan too. And my mom actually got to meet Jonathan and I'll mention how that came about in a second. But I called home from the 91 festival. I'm like, Mom, I just met Barnabas. I didn't just meet Jonathan <laughs> Pratt. I go, Mom, I just met Barnabas. <laughs> so uh, that was, that was like I said, in the spring of 91. And then in 1992, around Halloween, Jonathan was here in Aurora, Illinois, doing his one-man show. And I took my sister, my mom, and my friend Susan to see the show. And they all got a chance to meet Jonathan, which was really cool. Oh, that's great. Wow, that's awesome. I got to meet him at uh, Brown University when he did Fools and Fiends there in 1990. I think it was 1990. And that was uh, that was amazing. He was just incredible. Um, I, I never got to meet Joan Bennett, but I did get her autograph because... Uh, my sixth grade teacher, to as a writing project, he would have us write to famous people and ask for their autographs because he was an autograph collector. So we would ask for two autographs, one for his collection and one for us to keep. And he had this two big two volume uh, book set called Who's Who in America. So I, of course, I looked up all the Dark Shadows actors, trying to find them all in there. And I found Joan Bennett in there. So um, I sent the letter. And uh, so I, I have Joan Bennett's autograph, although I never did get to to meet her. Um, I guess to close things out here, I want to ask you all, uh, you know, favorite Dark Shadows character and favorite Dark Shadows storyline, if 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 you can choose just one, which I know is difficult to do. But <laughs> I'll go first. It's easy for me. Okay. Barnabas in 1897. I love, okay. I love Barnabas was the best, and I love the eighteen ninety seven storyline. Yeah, yeah, okay, bye. 
Oh, me? Uh, I, my favorite um, uh, character is Dr. Julia Hoffman. With a close second now, Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Oh, Johnson right. was wonderful. It's like, yes. And my favorite storyline was 1795. Mm -hmm. And I have something I want to say after Nina, if you don't mind. Something oh, please. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Nina. Well, I have to, I mean, of course, Barnabas was, as everyone, I think everyone chooses him. But if I can add a second, it would have to be Liz Stoddard because yeah. she's the one who got me into the show. And she, I just loved watching her. There was just something I just couldn't get enough of, of, of it. And um, my favorite storyline, and I'm so ashamed to say I'm blanking on the year, but it was the one with Quentin and the, and Quentin's theme and the Victrola that is um, 18. Oh, um, 1897. Yeah. 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 Or the yeah. haunting or when Quentin was a ghost. Yes. yes. Quentin's ghost storyline, the turn of the screw. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. That just, that was my favorite, I guess. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, Guy, what were you going to add? I, I just wanted to say, um, you know, it's wonderful being here with Nina and Bo you and Nina and Bob. Um, and we have, you know, we, we've been so fortunate as to how involved we've been and, and meeting the different actors and everything. But you know what? It's it's a collective thing. I was just saying when we were talking about the Evans Cottage, if it weren't for a fan um, that maybe a lot of people don't know him named Bill Branch, He's the one that found the cottage originally. One time the festival took two busloads of fans to Essex and we thought that uh, this one house was the Evans Cottage. So here are two busloads of people trudging up the, the, the hill and taking pictures of the house that turned out not to be the Evans Cottage. Oh no. So um, what I'm saying is there's tons of fans that have not only um, influenced me, but been, been very um, integral in a lot of the stories that I'm telling, um, yeah. there was one fan that figured out which episode it was where uh, Louis Edmonds had gone up to his room to change. He thought his scenes were over and they weren't. And he came down in his boxer shorts and we, and this fan figured out, I, I wish I could tell you his name right now, but I can't. Um, so, you know, everybody has their part and we all kind of fit together like a puzzle. Yeah, yeah, and you can see well, it's a family. Dark, Dark Shadows fandom is a family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I talked about this again in our shadowed past. You know, I spent over now half of my life in Dark Shadows fandom. That night in Blockbuster Video changed my life forever. I mean, I was thirty-one at the time. I'm sixty-three now, and my life went a different when I found Dark Shadows family. You know, my fandom my life was just went in a different direction, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's so cool. Yeah. Because this, this guy right here is one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, we, his, one of his favorite characters is Peter Pan and we all get to be Peter Pans, <laughs> you know, I mean, we all get to live our childhood through dark shadows, which is really cool. Yeah. So, and you can see the camaraderie at the when you when everyone's together and and having a good time and uh, just I don't know everybody's everybody's um, enthusiasm and just joy and just people even meeting for the first time just strike up 
conversations and friendships right on the spot. It's just a really great thing to, yeah. to see uh, and to be part of. And uh, it's really, really cool uh, to, uh, so thank you for, for sharing that. Um, anybody else have any closing thoughts or anything else they want to add before I wrap things up? Well, I, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, Catherine is strongly hinting that there is going to be another Dark Shadows series. Mm -hmm. uh, you had Mark B. Perry, I be believe, on yes. one of your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, just in the news last week, they were talking about this artificial intelligence program where the camera studies a person's face for half an hour. It can replicate that face exactly. I mean, it looks yeah. even more realistic than uh, Princess Leia at the end of Ro uh, Rogue One. Yeah. Um, and they also have now something for the voice. Yes. Uh, if you have a recording of someone's voice so uh, you know whenever they restore night of dark shadows they're going to probably be able to use grayson's real voice so just think if there is a new series you theoretically you'll be able to have jonathan frit as barnabas and grace hall as dr julia hoffman yeah uh you're right i mean I hadn't thought of that when I talked to Darren Gross when I had him on here. I wish I had thought to mention that that the creating because they're they you mentioned Star Wars. They've been doing that in those Star Wars series now too. Like um, was it the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi series? They I thought it was uh, James Earl Jones came back to voice Darth Vader, and it turns out no, they recreated that in a computer using they synthesized his voice and wrote the dialogue, and it sounded like Darth Vader. That was just incredible. So one never knows what the future holds. I know Mark is still, I heard from Mark recently. He's determined, uh, I will say that. And if that, if that happens, that means there'll probably be more festivals. Yeah, that would be great. It could mean a lot of great things for, I know some fans are resistant to any new Dark Shadows and uh, like a, a sequel or a new reboot or anything. It's like, the way I look at it is it could only mean good things for the original Dark Shadows as well, because we could get more more things like night of dark shadows restoration being released you know uh things things of that nature uh would be really cool plus i'm i have full confidence in mark's what mark is doing because he's uh he is a hardcore fan who's is his heart is in the right place and he's very talented too so uh and if Catherine is giving her stamp of approval maybe maybe some of the original actors will come back too who knows you know that would be cool to see uh, Maggie Evans, what she's doing these days and, yeah. and all of that. So yeah, definitely. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank my guests for joining me uh, this evening. It has been an absolute delight to see them. And I look forward to seeing them again in person uh, soon uh, and having some good times. Uh, and for those who are listening, thank you for listening to the podcast and for supporting the podcast uh, with your uh, subscriptions and likes. And uh, that means a lot to me. So if you do like this podcast, please do subscribe to it and rate and review it. That does help the podcast to grow. And most importantly, share it, spread it to other Dark Shadows fans, spread it like the dream curse to make sure that they are infected with terror at Collinwood. Thank you for having us. Oh my gosh, thank you for joining me. And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.